Malachi chapter 1. And we're continuing looking at this uh, book and uh, the theme in which God had nine specific things that made him upset. Okay, nine specific things, and uh, we've already looked at a few of them. We're going to continue, and uh, today our theme is behaviors. Let me get the slide up there. Ta-da! Okay, behaviors of disrespectful believers. Okay, behaviors of disrespectful believers. So we'll go to under the next slide. It talks about Israel's relationship with God had become stale religious practice. Okay, and that is what it come from. It had been they had been serving God for uh, hundreds and hundreds of years, and it became routine. It became robotic. It became ritual, and not much of it was done with relationship between human being and God in mind. It had become very just boring ritual. And um, I think today we see some of the same stuff. That a lot of people come to church, not necessarily us in our church, although I got to tell you, I'm sure there are some days where we drag ourselves in because we're supposed to be here. Okay, and we're, our, our, uh, we're not jumping for joy to be getting up on a Sunday morning to drag ourselves to church. And again, it cracks me up. We can get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to get to work, but get to church by 10.30, and we're like, it's so hard to get here on a Sunday. Uh, it's amazing how much our flesh doesn't necessarily want to be where God wants us to be. But it became meaningless, routine, there were offerings with no real sacrifice. Okay, and we're going to address that as we continue, that God continues, talks about that they were giving, but there was really no honest connection with God happening. And that's sometimes the problem in Christianity in our world today. Is people today, right now as we speak, are, there are churches full of people just there because it's what they're supposed to do. And um, that is where Israel is. That is why this is very pertinent to what we're talking about today. Now, in that regard, we're going to talk about a few things that God calls them out about their attitudes. And uh, let's read verses 8. We covered it at verse 8 last week, but I want to look at 8, verse 8 today through 12. And God shows a few behaviors that he just uh, isn't particularly fond of with these people. And he shows that... It affects the way he relates to us as humans. Look, if you would, to verse 8. And if ye offer blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee and accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now, I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto, uh, unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut a door, f- shut a door for naught, neither kindle a fire on mine altar for naught? 
I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts, neither will I accept an offering of your, at your hand. For from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense should be offered unto my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it, in that ye say this table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. Father, please help us as we see these words directed at us as human beings, as your people, as believers. And Father, help us to remember uh, the amazing privilege that we have to be a part of your service, to be your children. And Father, there are times in our lives, I'm sure, where it can become monotonous, tedious, boring, everyday, just routine. But Father, it's never meant to be that way. But Father, at the same time, we know that there are religious groups and churches meeting all across this world right now in which it's just a ritual. It's just something to do to make yourself feel as if you're doing something for the Lord. And Father, please... uh, Help us as we understand we can make adjustments in our lives to be better equipped to be in this amazing ministry that you've laid before us. It's awesome. So, Father, help us as we understand your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, he lays out a few behaviors that uh, are causing grief in their relationship. Uh, You ever have a relationship with somebody and they do things that just irk you? No, we never have any of those things, do we? Okay, Uh, and uh, you know when that happens, uh, sometimes there can be a wall that's put up, right? You know how much that bothers me. Why do you do it? Okay, and you think, okay, well, let's, you know, I'll I'll make a correction. And then again, you're doing it again. And we get that, do they even care? And you wonder how God must think. You know, here are the children of Israel, and he had laid out, and we just got done the book of uh, uh, Leviticus, and this is one of the reasons we went to the book of Malachi, is he laid out all these amazing things he has done for his priests, and how they could be a part of this amazing ministry and serving God, and here Israel's become bored and kind of tedious with it, and forgotten how great an opportunity it is to be able to serve God the way he's laid it out. Well, God says a couple of things. Number one, one of the problems that they were having, they were offering less than their best. Okay, we look at this. The Lord says uh, in Leviticus, we just got done studying the book, but whatsoever hath a blemish, that shall not offer, for it shall not be accepted of you. And we just read the passage. You bring in your blind and your lame and everything else and giving it as an offering, and you expect me to accept that from you? He says you wouldn't do that with anybody important in your life, a governor, or we talked last week about tax, you know, the IRS, right? You wouldn't do that. You're going to, God expects more. If you are really in that proper relationship with God as your heavenly father, don't you expect to give him what is he's worth? 
And they're giving blind and lame and any leftover thing on the side. God says, you're offering things that aren't worthy of me. Look at the next slide. Notice something that's interesting here. He doesn't say, you offer this offering of the blind and the lame, and I'm not going to accept your offering. Now, don't you think that would be the natural progression in, in human conversation? Well, you're going to give me something that's broken or, or, you know, lame or, you know, like I said, what's the word that Leviticus uses again? That has a blemish? That I'm not going to accept that thing that has the blemish, that thing that's lame. That He says, I'm not going to accept thee or thy person. You see what God's point is here? The behavior, the lack of commitment to the personal relationship with God isn't just about what you offer. It is about you. And we've said this so many times from the pulpit before that God is not interested in your money when you put money in the offering plate. He wants to know he has all of you. He's not interested in how many minutes you might serve him or pray, or read, or do anything like that. God's not keeping track like that. God wants to know he has all of you. That's what he's interested. And he's saying, you guys have made this all about the offerings, and now only, not only is it all about just what you're giving, now you're giving me lame, broken, blemished things. God says, do you think I'm going to accept you in your person if that's the way you're going to treat me? There's some consequences. Remember we talked a couple of weeks back that God is a God of love and there's certain things he loves, but God also hates certain things? Well, there's behaviors in our lives that God appreciates and he really blesses us for it, but there's behaviors in our lives that God says, excuse me? Do you really think if you act that way, we're going to be okay? Now, come on, didn't I just use an illustration of our, of our uh, relationship on this earth and say, I've asked you not to do that. Why do you keep doing it? This is not okay. Well, God says the same thing. If you're going to offer things to me which are lame and busted and broken, you're going to focus wholly on, hey, what can I throw at God to make him happy? Do you really think we're going to be all right? Do you think I'm going to accept your person? Do you think we're going to be simpatico here? You know, is that okay? God says, no. What makes you think our relationship is going to be all right if that's what you do? This is the problem, the behavior with sort of disrespectful believers here in the passages that God is addressing with them. Relationship with God is affected by the behaviors. And it hasn't changed. If you and I are not acting and doing what God expects us to do, our relationship can be messed up. That's the whole premise of 1 John chapter, chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. Right? If we say we have no sin, if we're not messing up, but he said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If you have a broken relationship with God, if you've messed up, if you're doing something he doesn't like, stop doing what he doesn't like and fix your relationship. Not that hard. Okay, look at the next slide. Oh, wait a minute, go back to that slide. Oh, no, I got that covered. Okay, next slide. It's one of those mornings already. Your prayers will be hindered. Now, I want you to notice this. He says, if you're going to offer this lame stuff, there's a consequence. Now, I was rejoicing in the fact that Dan 
was led by the Lord to talk about prayer so much this morning. And that's where we're going here a little bit. It's talking about prayer this morning. It is the most untouched resource that we as Christians have. We do not use it to its, uh, its fullness. We don't even use, scratch the surface when it comes to the amazing privilege that you and I have to enter before the creator and ruler of the universe. But the problem is, if our behavior is wrong, that can mess up our prayer life. Look at what it says in the next verse. Now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto you, uh, unto us. This hath been your means. Will he regard your person? He says, listen, go ahead, pray to God, beseech him, ask, beg him. Do you think he's going to listen to you if this is the kind of way things are? Now here, just, and we think, well, wait a second, pastor, what do you mean? Would God actually do that? If your kid is being a miserable little imp all day long and all of a sudden just turns around and says, Mommy, can I please have a... <laughs> Mommy's going to say, uh-uh. We don't have uh, the proper thing going on here. If you're going to be disrespecting me and, and acting like a terrible little child, little brat, don't expect to come to me and get all kinds of blessings from mom and dad. We have a problem here. God says, listen, go ahead, ask me. You're going to treat me like that, offer lousy, you know, lame stuff, to, and, and you think our relationship is okay, and then you're going to turn around and pray to me for certain things? Do you think I'm actually, we're going to be okay with this? Now, you and I, as much as we understand how important prayer is, you and I need to realize there are certain things that get in the way of our prayer. Okay, and I want to take touch base on those real quick this morning. There are certain things that hinder us. You acting this way and expecting God to answer your prayers, that's what he's saying. You're going to offer this lame stuff? You're going to be disrespectful? You're not going to understand how serious our relationship is? You're just going to treat it like it's some religious activity? And then you're expecting me to answer prayer? Next slide. God is not an online shopping site. Okay, uh consumer-based prayer life okay we need something we want something let's go to god and ask him okay that is not what prayer is all about okay but even if it were you're going to come to me and ask me for things when you are not treating me with respect and treating me with the relationship that we're supposed to let's fix this first and then we can have a talk okay um he wants us to have an intimate relationship with each one of his children. That's what God is about. Prayer is not a shopping list. Ooh, what's on Amazon this week? <laughs> Point and click. Okay, God, we just don't go and say, Lord, I got some things I need. I got some things I want. There's some areas here, Lord, you need to pay attention to. Listen, God wants us to see things the way he sees them that's what prayer is all about and dan is going to cover this a little bit more next week as we go into this mediator thing we talked about prayers and supplications and thanksgiving 
and intercession made for one another. But you know what prayer is really about? Prayer is making sure I'm looking at everything in this world the way God looks at things in this world. Because my job is not to change God's mind. My job is not to go with, to God asking for a shopping list of things. My job is to know that God has already got everything answered and worked out already. I just need to understand how I fit into his plan. Here's the point. He wants us to become like him. That's what prayer is all about. One of the sweetest things in studying and doing the discipleship lessons is the emphasis in, in the one lesson that as a child, your job, your response, your desire is to become just like dad. How many little tiny lawnmowers that blow bubbles and plastic drills and little chainsaws that make noise are sold because they just want to be just like dad? And dad's out there mowing, and behind him, the little bubble machine is going as the kid's pushing it. They, now, that's my generation. Now they have these battery-powered electric little John Deere lawnmowers that you can ride behind dad. Uh-uh. I'd lucky if you had a pedal one when I was a kid. Okay? But the goal is to be just like dad. That's what the relationship is about. It's not going to God with a checklist of things we want, we need. It's God wants us to draw close to him, Thus, song number one that we talked about. Nearer my God to thee. Nearer to thee. That is what prayer is based on. We need to start thinking, acting, being like God. That's his goal. He wants to cherish a relationship. Man, I was thinking as we were singing that song, and this is a commercial, but I'm throwing it in here anyway, where it talked about the woes that come into our lives and things. Why? Because it draws us nearer to God. Okay, I, my, my kids, okay, slept in their own bedroom, but that one loud thunderclap happens, and three sets of freezing cold feet are in my bed with me and mom. You know, just boom! Why? Something happens, and they want to be as close to mom and dad as possible. That is the true and ultimate goal of prayer. It's not to convince God about something. It's not to get something we want. It's to make sure we are lined up with being the person that God wants us to be as much like him as possible. Isn't that our goal? To be as much like our God as we possibly can? Next. So... There are some things that hinder prayer. So Dan talked about this amazing thing. And listen, if you weren't here in Sunday school, get online and listen to this morning's Sunday school sermon. Because prayer is such a valuable thing that we just don't handle correctly. Unconfessed sin will mess up our prayer. Look at this verse. Two verses. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now, this is kind of what God's talking about here. You are treating me this way, and this is the way you're dealing with the offerings and service, and you expect to ask requests of me and me to answer? <laughs> if I regard iniquity, if I know it's there and I'm not dealing with it, don't expect me to pay attention to what you're needing. 
Okay, improper family relationship or marriage relationship. The first part of this verse, husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church. And what it says, being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. You realize that you don't have, if you don't have the proper marriage relationship, that your prayers are going to be messed up? If you can't get the number one designed relationship, human relationship by God, starting all the way back with Adam and Eve, if you can't get that one straight, how do you expect to get your relationship with God worked out? That's why marriage, guys, has always been a three-way relationship. Husband, wife, and God. If this is broken, this ain't going to work either. God says you get that marriage relationship proper and biblical, and your prayers won't be hindered. Next. Idolatry. Son of man, Ezekiel chapter 14 these men have set up idols in their hearts and put a stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? This is God speaking. God saying, listen. He's talking to Ezekiel the prophet and saying, they're being idolatrous. They've got other gods before me. Should I even listen to their prayers? Now let that sink in for a minute. I, I just wonder, Craig, me, going to the Lord and praying, and God up in heaven looking at Jesus and saying, should I even listen to him? Should I be inquired of? Because of the behavior that we have? Come on, we talked about the fact God has said he's, there's some things he's upset about, and he's saying your prayers can be hindered. God says, listen, you really think you can come up in here and ask me for something in prayer? Should I even listen to you? Now, come on, you ever have that? I'm going to talk about my wife and I. You ever have a spat with your wife, uh, um, a heated, uh, a vigorous discussion? And all of a sudden, you, you go to your neutral corners, okay, uh, and the bell rings, and you go, you know, and then all of a sudden, a couple, you know, an hour later or so, once everybody goes, and calms down a little bit, and you come back into the room, and you try to pretend like nothing happened. So, you want to go get some ice cream? And the person looks at you out of the corner of the eye and goes, are you kidding me? After what you just said and what you just did and what just happened, we're just going to try to sweep this under the carpet like it never happened? Come on, we'll understand that with us in our physical relationship. You understand God saying the same thing? If you're going to have a broken relationship with me, don't come around the corner and say, Lord, ah, everything's good, right? God says, should I even let them inquire of me at all? There's things that will hinder our prayers. Keep going. God is not important until we need him sometimes, right? Eh, God, talk to the hand. I got my own things going on here, Lord. Oh, crud. (gasps) Father, I need your help. If God is really God, he should have our full attention all the time, not just when we need him. Okay, keep going. An unforgiving spirit. Remember what Jesus said? And when ye stand praying, forgive. 
And if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, might forgive you your trespasses. You know what the Lord's Prayer says, right? The Lord's model prayer. Next part of the slide. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. You realize God says, listen, if you're going to stand up and pray, forgive. If you hold some bitterness, some unforgiveness in your heart, you better be careful. Because God says, hmm, you got an issue here you're not dealing with. Um, and you expect me to just look that over? God says, if you're going to stand and pray, you better be a person that forgives. And then the scary part is, God says, forgive us, Lord, as we forgive others. Well, if we're having a broken relationship with God and we're not forgiving somebody else, but we expect God to just take care of our problem, God says, eh, doesn't work that way. Relationships are important to God. Next slide. Praying for selfish reasons. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. There's the uh, Bible verse for consumer prayers. <laughs> okay? Why? We ask just because we want something. We just want to consume it. And again, please, when we say consume it upon your own lust, doesn't that say, oh, lust, what a terrible thing. It just means the only reason we're asking for it is because it's something we desire. God says, be careful. If all you're coming to me and asking me for is things you want, that is not the basis of a racial relationship. How many relationships in our lives last long when it's based upon somebody else just getting what they want from somebody and that's it? My wife and I laugh because sometimes there's people in our lives that we haven't heard from or, you know, we're think we're friends with or whatever and we'll finally get a response from that hey how you doing just want to reach out and touch you would you like to buy some tupperware the only time you hear from them is when they have something that they want from you that's not a real relationship if you are friends if you're in a relationship with people you ought to have something where there's a constant communication and love not like oh that's right, this week is, uh, is uh, I better remind them so they can come and be a part of that with me. Because then it's all about me again. Not about the relationship. Okay? Religious acts without real communication. And this one, I'm, I'll try not to step too hard out around in religion, but the verse says in Mark, when it pops up, Okay, Matthew, excuse me. But when ye pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. There are no earned credits for prayer. And again, there are Christian religions or Christian sects of religion or whatever denominations that think if you pray the same prayer over and over and over, you're banking some sort of prayer credit. God owes me an answer because I prayed this prayer 40 times today. Okay, and it, amazing to me that this verse is two verses before our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. This verse is two verses before that that says don't pray prayer, repetition. 
And what do half of the... It was the major Christian religion for a long time. I can't say it is anymore. But one of the major Christian denominations in our country forces prayer repeatedly of certain prayers. Again, thinking that they're impressing God because they're going to say a lot of words a lot. I'm sorry, you don't earn credit with God. You know, and some of the most heartfelt, honest, true prayers are, oh God, please. My family member just got in a car accident and you got very little to say, but your heart's breaking. Or you're about to slide off a roof and you say, Lord! That's real communication. God says, you know what, how many people, and that's the problem that was happening here in, in Jesus' day even. Just repeating, honest, I mean, just dull, boring, routine prayers and not relationship. What? This is a old preacher I used to listen to had a cassette tape of him. This is why I can't listen to him anymore because it's on a cassette tape. I don't even know if they make things that play cassettes anymore. Um, And you have to pay $400 to somebody for them to convert it to digital for you. Um, But he used to talk about, you know, what happened if we walk into the kitchen every evening and say, O thou wife which dwelleth in the kitchen, hath thou put together any victuals for this evening? Would thou please bestow upon thy servant? something delicious and the next night oh thou wife that dwelleth in the kitchen without come on but we'll do that to god god wants a real honest relationship not just words that just puff up please remember what we said our goal is to become mostly like him I want to be just like Dad. I don't do that by reciting the Pledge of Allegiance to him every day. And the only reason I say that is because of something we've memorized and we say often. God's not impressed. You can't earn carbon, I mean, uh, prayer credits with God. Ooh, I prayed this 40 times. God's definitely going to answer this one. Nothing wrong with praying for things often, but don't think you're building up credit because... One of the other issues he was having is you guys are expecting something from God because of your religious service. Look at this. He says, who is there among you that would shut a door for naught? Or either kindle a fire on my altar for naught? He's, what he's saying is, you guys think that you, ought, you deserve something because you're doing this. You're not doing it for nothing. You're doing it because you think you're, you deserve something in response. Father, I gave you this sacrifice. Now you owe me. oh have i got a surprise for you okay it says i have no pleasure in you saith the lord neither will i accept any offering of your hand don't expect lord i brought an offering to the lord now i've got extra credit you owe me i'm cashing in my chips it doesn't work that way but that's what they were doing and unfortunately sometimes that's what we do as Christians, we think because we, Lord, I have been in church every Sunday for the last 23 years. How could you do this to me? Keep looking at these slides. 
God don't know, he don't owe us anything. You and I deserve hell. Now that's a reality I've had to put into my mind quite a few times. Because there'll be times in my life where I'm having a big pity party about something going on. And I don't like it. And Lord, how can this give you? This isn't fair. You know what's not fair? The fact that Jesus Christ had to come and die for my sins. That's not fair. He didn't do anything wrong. You want to talk about who's weighing out in the balance here? I deserve hell. You deserve hell. Don't you? Now, come on, people don't want to answer that question because we don't like it. But every single gift and blessing that we receive to God is because God is awesome. Not because we deserve one bit of it. I'm a miserable, rotten sinner who deserved everything that was coming from me. But because God is merciful and gracious and loving, he decided to sacrifice his son, his only son, who did absolutely nothing wrong and had no reason to do what he did, so to take care of my problems. I have no right to walk up and say, <laughs> um, excuse me, the balance is on my side right now. You owe me. It doesn't work that way. Anything and everything we get from God is blessing. The fact that I'm heartbeat and breath and sight right now and speech is because God is a loving God. He has every right as the master of the universe to strike me dead right now and I have nothing to say about it because he owns me. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he owns you. That, God was saying, listen, you think because you opened a door, I owe you something? Because you offered something on the altar, I now owe you? <laughs> but that's kind of how Christianity works across the board sometimes. Keep going. Oh, yeah. What we get from God is the gift of his love. So many religious leaders are all about getting something out of their service, man. We could spend a long time listing them. I know you know who I'm talking about. There are people who preach and teach and do everything and all they're looking about is filling their pockets with money or getting prestige or becoming famous. Why do we do the things we do? Keep going. What's in it for me, Lord? Lord, I, I, well, I'm not going to you know, come and serve at Bethel for naught. I'm going to do this because... Uh, there should be come, something coming my way, shouldn't there? We serve expecting nothing. We serve him because we love God. Yes? Come on now, again, this is not easy, but this is what God is saying in this passage. He's saying, listen, you guys, you, you're doing these menial little things and you expect me to pay you back somehow? Because of some stale religious routine that you're going through? Keep going. Do we need recognition? How many of us got that? I know Matt the other day was listing off people who helped with the, uh, the work here at the church. And I noticed when you know, I'm making a mental list about who was out there helping. And I remember he left Sam off. You know, Samuel was here. He was cooking, doing stuff like that. And I'm just, ah, oh, he missed it. And that's why it's tough sometimes to thank people. Because eventually, you miss somebody, right? That's why if you are a Facebook friend with me, I don't wish happy birthdays. 
Want to know why I don't wish happy birthdays? Because someday you're going to forget to wish somebody a happy birthday and they're going to get upset because you miss them. Okay? Do we need a pat on the back? Remember what the Bible said, be careful. It says if you get the praise of man, that might be all you get. Do we need to keep going? Why do we serve him? Do we serve him because we, we want recognition, that we need somebody to recognize us, that we want extra credit, that we, you know, well, uh, I think somebody should have publicly thanked me for all my efforts. Well, listen, the Bible says, let another man praise thee, not thine own lips. That's not a bad thing. And we try our best to, to say thank you for what you've done. Because that's part of what we do. We show gratitude. We show graciousness and thanksgiving. But don't get, do you need that? Is that why you're doing what you do? Because again, God's saying, uh, listen, you, you're doing this for naught? You think, Father, I would be teaching a class in church if I'm not going to get the respect I deserve? <laughs> you don't deserve anything. Anyway, okay. Okay, we have the privilege to be a part of God's ministry. Please understand that. Dan said that again this morning. I was in the back in my mind hooting and hollering because every, every part of my being rejects me from doing what God has done, what, what he expects me to. I'm still a sinner. I've got broken brain. More than not. Okay? But God gives us the privilege of being a part of his service. Don't you think think in the big picture as a human being and knowing how messed up humans are that god should just send a bunch of angels who do will do it right we'll just sit back and let you know spiritual beings come down who can take care no god allows us to be a part of this as a matter of fact he encourages us to be a part of it but not because we deserve it because he wants us to act like his kids okay god deserves our service keep going okay Problem number three. They are forgetting that God is the only one who should be glorified, promoted, proudly displayed. Now there's a problem. See, we see this happening. You're not offering the right things on the altar. And because of that, you think if you're going to ask me prayers, you're going to get what you think. And then you're wondering why I'm not answering your prayers because I'm the one that needs to be glorified, not you. And then he gets to this part. Look at this verse. Uh, well, it's right there. From the rising of the sun to the go- even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. A couple things that's amazing about this. Number one. Why do you and I not need a pat on the back? Why do we do things for naught? Because God deserves all the credit. If we're out there doing things expecting to get a pat on the back, we don't need one. God gets all the glory. Yes? My name is going to be great. Now, with that in mind, how many times in the last couple of weeks have we talked about taking the Lord's name in vain? If I'm one of God's kids and I'm a Christian and I'm walking like a Christian, who should be getting all the praise and glory? Me? No, God. 
That's part of this whole system. This is what God's talking about. Listen, if you're mine, you have this relationship. If I'm your dad and you love me that much, then all the credit should be going my way. Now keep going. Okay, Not, notice every day from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The Lord's name shall be great. Notice this. Whether you want to do it or not, his name shall be great. Sometimes we miss that. Uh, how many times have we talked about God will get the glory out of your life, whether you like it or not? God gets glory when we praise him and offer him worship. But God also gets glory when he disciplines us and judges us for not doing what's right. He will always get the glory. So what side do we want to be on? Do we want to be on the side where God's going to get the glory and we don't participate? Or do we get, be on the side where God's going to get the glory and we're right in the middle of it with him? He is going, my name shall be great. There is nothing that you and I do that's going to mess up God's work. God is still going to reach the world. God is still going to continue to rule. God is still having his plan fulfilled on this planet. Just what part are we playing in it? Are we being the ones who are right with him? Doing and serving and right, or are we the ones who are on the outside going, oh, you know, I'm not sure this is for me. He shall be great. What side are we going to be on? I like being on the field. I can't stand. Lydia was on a volleyball team, and I know it was a girls' high school volleyball team. There's absolutely no way I could ever even play. I don't qualify, contrary to what the world says. Okay. But I'd be sitting there going, oh, I want to play volleyball so bad. I hated being a spectator. I want to be in the game. I want to be a part of that. Do we, we don't want to be a part of it? Or we would be on the sidelines? He shall be great. We get to be making him great. Notice this, though. It says, uh, oops, back that one, yeah. He answered and said unto them, I tell you, if these things hold their peace, if these should hold their peace, the stone should cry out. We got to make sure we set our, well, God, I am God's gift to the ministry. If it weren't for me here preaching at Bethel Bible Church, along with my brother Dan, nothing would happen. Listen, if we didn't do our job, God can make the rocks talk. And what is he trying to say? He doesn't need us that much. He shall be great. Whether we're a part of it or not, I'd rather be a part of it. But if we're not going to do it, he can make a donkey talk. Yes? Be a part of it. This is an amazing privilege. Why would we want to sit on the sidelines? If God shall be great, and we have a chance to be great along with him because of who he is, or the rocks can cry out. Okay. God will get the glory that he deserves. Next part. I'm trying to get done quick here. Notice he says, among the Gentiles and among the heathen. Now here's the thing, and Dan was talking about this a little bit this morning, and back to Faith's song. I love to tell the story. I do love to tell the story to those who know it best, but I also know I need to tell the story outside of these walls. You and I don't have any problem getting together and making God's name great here, do we? This is a great place to praise God, to glorify him, to share prayer, to, to, to fellowship and all those things. But he says, among the Gentiles, among the heathen. 
Our job, and the job of Israel all the way back there, never changed. God didn't choose Israel to be exclusive. God chose Israel to be the ones who spread the greatness of God through the nations. Now the church is doing the same thing. You and I need to be, yes, lifting God up and giving Him praise and promoting Him here, but also amongst the heathen. He says, my name shall be great among the heathen. Are we going to be a part of that? Great commission all over. Okay, keep going. Last one. Complaining about the way God's family runs. Okay, look at what they said here. But, they have, but ye have profaned it in that ye say, the table of the Lord is polluted and the fruit thereof, even as meat is contemptible. Basically, that what they were saying is, you know, all this stuff we do at the temple, what's it worth? We offer these offerings, we offer meat, we offer bread, we offer all this stuff in, in all these rituals at church, uh, at the temple, and we, it's boring. What good does it do? Complaining about how God had set up a system in the temple. Well, that couldn't possibly happen here at church, right? We wouldn't be complaining about how things happen at church, right? Next slide. So the problem is the church, keep going, just dump these all up there. Someone offended me. How many times I've heard that? Well, I used to go to church, but you know, somebody said something I didn't like. And you, complaining. Listen, God put us in the family of imperfect people. Anybody perfect here besides me? <laughs> no, we're all screw-ups. So guess what? Sometimes my screw-up is going to mess with your screw-up and we're going to get upset with each other. That's the way God designed us. We're here to help one another, to uplift, to encourage, exhort. That means sometimes we're going to see something we don't like in somebody else. But, well, I don't go to church anymore because somebody said something that's just I don't like. Or the last one. You know, I was gone for two weeks and nobody called me. And see, I just knew it. I just knew nobody cared. Come on. What do I got here? I'm just not appreciated. We dealt with that a minute ago. I was disrespected. Keep going. Stop focusing on others and be who God wants you to be. The sign, go ahead and put the next one. There is only one person in this world who can stop you from serving God. You. Oh, man, I, I don't even pretend to know that if you get to heaven someday and say, and the Lord says, well, how come you stopped serving me? Well, sister so-and-so said this about me, so I just gave up. <laughs> I, I wonder how God's going to answer that one. The only person in the world that can stop you from serving God is you. Don't look and say, well, you know, the pews are so hard. I literally know people who left the church because they didn't like the color that they painted the bathroom. Oh, it's just a terrible, hideous color. We're going to find another church. You know, there are times in life where you just want to smack somebody. That was one of those times. What is going to cause you to stop serving God? Well, the table of the Lord is contemptible. I don't like all these offerings and stuff. I don't like how God designed all this function. I don't just, you know, get a grip. 
you're not that important. <gasps> Pastor, that's rude. Sorry, I'm not that important. God is important. That's where an amen falls in. God is important. And we have a privilege to serve him. And man, let some little petty thing get in the way? That's crazy. It's amazing privilege. Don't waste it. Next slide. Sum up today. Offer God your best. If you don't, don't be surprised that there's some hindrances in your prayers. He doesn't owe you anything. Don't think because you might be doing something for the Lord, you're earning some credits. Whoo, baby, I can't wait to check this one out. I've, I've earned some uh, travel points on my credit card that I'm going to cash in a little while. Don't work that way with God. Everything we get to do for him is a privilege, and we're already in the negative. God gets all the glory, and that's the next point. God is always the one to be glorified. We have the privilege to serve him. We have the privilege to be on board with that. Not because we're something special, but because he is awesome. His name shall be great. Last bit. You serve God because he deserves it. Not because pastor preached a good message. Not because Brother Dan is one of the greatest examples you have ever seen of a Christian. Not because you think, because he deserves it. If we would look at this thing, I'm going to serve God because he deserves to be glory. He doesn't owe me anything, so I'm going to give him my best. That's what God is expecting here. And he said to the children of Israel, guys, you don't realize that our relationship is messed up because you guys' priorities are all backwards. Let's keep our priorities straight. Now, with that in mind, it has been a wonderful time in God's house to make him great and lift up his name. But we need to go and do that among the heathen, among those who don't know him. In this world today, there's so much standing in the way of people being introduced to a Savior named Jesus Christ. The only way it's going to happen if we get out there and share it. Go make his name great. Let's pray.